Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. So, um, obviously lots stirring. I thought, you know, I wanted to, um, we were going to talk about Ephesians, but now due to our circumstances, I thought it would be appropriate maybe just to share our story, encourage us, and give us an update about who we are and what we're about as a church. So um, in the midst of this week, which I'll explain in, in this message, um, it, it has been a little chaotic, to say the least. Um, but let me just start off by saying, I just wrote this this morning. I just thought I could encourage you, especially if you're, you're new. So I'm just going to read some stuff from my heart. Um, we moved and we're moving. Um, so I want to welcome you to the garden. And we're all about Jesus. And we are all about making disciples. And we're all about seeing the city be transformed um, in Long Beach as it is in heaven. And if you're looking for churches, if you're church shopping and you're looking for a safe and comfortable church um, that won't risk or take you on a wild adventure, you're in the wrong place. Um, And I would like to recommend a few churches in the area that are a little safer, more comfortable, but the ones that I know aren't. Long Beach has a unique church, and it's growing in its adventure and its willingness to risk. Uh, You see, from the moment that we were born as people, we were designed for meaningful relationships. We were designed for capacity of life. Or you could say we were designed for adventure. We were all built for adventure as followers, as human beings. And the kids are the greatest example (laughs) of what adventurous looks like. Praise God for this. This is good. Um, And we serve an amazing God, a God who calls us to greatness. We serve a God who calls us to greatness. And we follow a Jesus who insists on our greatness. We follow a Jesus who insists on our greatness. He welcomes you as you are and not as you should be. He loves you as you are and not as you should be. And he invites you in to live a life far greater than you could ever imagine. This is the gospel narrative, that you are designed for greatness, that you are loved by the creator of the universe just as you are. You don't have to earn it or deserve it. He loves you, period, end of the story. But then he invites you in to flourish, to thrive, to to get over the things that keep you down. And on this journey called faith, Jesus will confront sooner or later everything that you attach to your identity, significance, security, power, or comfort, or safety. He will challenge all of those things one day because he is a jealous God. And when I say jealous, I don't mean like jealous like your ex-boyfriend jealous. I mean jealous that he only wants the best thing for you and God is the best thing for you. This is the story of the Bible. Jesus wants what's best for you. And we can beat around the bush. We could talk very nicely and politically about a Jesus who looks more like the housewives of Orange County than the Lion of Judah, who comes saying, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. He says that the Spirit of the Lord anointed him to proclaim the good news to the poor, to, 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 um, uh, he, sent, he was sent out to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, 
uh, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will fi- you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is his message. He says to us that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light to the world. You will do greater works than he does. You, all you need to do is ask, and whatever you ask in his name will be done for you. This is what Jesus does. He insists on that greatness inside of you. He says that we can move mountains. I have a hard enough time moving a sound system, let alone the mountains that I need moved in my own life. He says, and then he says, come follow me. And these words are often over. We just miss them as we read the scripture. But when he says, come follow me, he's saying this to us. I want, I want to say this. He's saying this to those of you that are still addicts. To those of you that are barely waking up because Saturday night is a party night. And whatever you did last night, you're coming this morning to confess and be forgiven. He's saying to you that are in the middle of a conflict with your spouse, are coming uh, off of signing papers of divorce, he says, come follow me. And those words mean that you can know what Jesus knows, that you can do what Jesus did, but more importantly, that you can be like Jesus. That's what those words mean. That whatever else has defined your life, Jesus invites you to follow him, and in that process, you become more fully alive, more fully yourself, and more fully like him in that process. This is why we say we follow Jesus, because of that. We follow this Jesus because it's not a safe Jesus. It's a good Jesus. We follow this Jesus because he will call us to the nations. Guys, if you think it's about getting comfortable and and not setting up smoke machines, or I'm sorry, smoke machines, getting back to my hip-hop days. Um, (laughs) And let me just say real quick, while I'm on the subject of hip-hop, that all-male hip-hop dance team was not like Glee, Okay. It was like traveling all over the U.S. or Southern California, really, competing against other guys all over the world in uh, Orange County. And um, <laughs> keep it down. I will post some videos. Um, you can ask my wife. And, and it was amazing, okay? I mean, when, when you're single, the attention was amazing. Um, when you love Tupac and you just love those beats and you wear Dada shoes and New York beanies and baggy pants, that's, I mean, I was hood, okay? <laughs> it may not look like this now, but I, I was hood, all right? I can, anyways, okay, moving on. And now I don't know how to go off on this rant, but he will call you to the nations. He, he will call you to make other disciples. I'm speaking to those that have no self-value right now. He will say that you will go to the least, the last, and the lost. He will say that you will learn how to forgive every time. You will learn how to love without restraint. He will call you to inconvenience because the cross is inconvenient. If you want new life, you have to die to your old life. And this is the Jesus that I serve. And this is the Jesus that we're about at the Garden Church. You see, I'm here today because I believe in this Jesus. We're here today as a church because we believe in this Jesus. And I'm wondering why maybe some of you are here today. You know, because I just need to be frank. If you're here because the bar was cool, we don't have a bar anymore. We're out. If you're here because we were small, well, we're going to grow and we're growing. If you're here because it was inconvenient and you walked here, it's going to be a little more inconvenient if we have to move around every other Sunday. The Garden Church is a living body of the resurrected Messiah, King Jesus of Nazareth. That means we breathe as one organism. We're bound together on mission. 
We are bound together on mission. Okay? We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We uh, are, are submitting to one another in love, but not for the sake of each other, for the sake of the world, for the sake of our city. And this has been our, our, our story from our inception. From the moment we left Rock Harbor, we have always been about this story. We have always been about the mission. We've been about Jesus. We've been about doing this together, not because of the building, not because it was comfortable, but because God gave us a task and we said yes. That's why we're here. Um, so here's, here's some of our story. I mean, we, we met in the basement after we left Rock Harbor of an old church. It was called First Christian Church. But before First Christian Church, I want to list these out. Before First Christian Church, we met at First Lutheran Church, okay, on 9th and Atlantic. Before, after First Lutheran, we met at First Friends Church. There's a lot of firsts. And so we met at First, first Lutheran, First Friends Christian Outreach and Action, these are all different churches, and if you were there at that meeting, it was the hottest day of summer, and we had no air conditioning, and we thought it was a good idea to light candles for a prayer service. We were dripping with sweat. It was like Bikram yoga, <laughs> Bikram prayer, whatever that is. Um, we were, it was just a mess. I mean, and we would go to the rescue mission. We would go to Kevin Nicholson's house. We would go to the Friedman, Friedman's house. We would go to the beach because we had nowhere to gather in the city, and then we landed at First Christian, and we were blessed. We were blessed. It smelled like old Cambodian food because the, the previous service would cook a bunch of food and do a potluck. We had ripped carpet, no sound system, no lights, nothing, nothing. And it was amazing. And then, then we moved to Cohiba. And Cohiba for us was this amazing gift from God. It had AC. We could store our stuff. There was more space. It had a cool vibe. There was a children's area despite all the smoke. We, had, we were thankful and we had hope. And we were going to reach the city in a bar. And it was cool. People are proud to say, yeah, our church meets in a bar. But I remember when we left First Christian Church. We, um, we were leaving First Christian Church and we, just, we said, look, we don't want to forget who we are. We want to remember what was forged in the basement of First Christian Church. We, we, we need to remember this. So we decided to make declarations. We said, this is what we want to be true of us as we move forward. And so um, we, what we did is one night, there was, I think, 45 of us in the service. We just prayed um, prayers on rocks. And I got this idea from actually Todd because the, the night he launched us out, he gave, uh, you know, he launched, we launched his very first church and all he gave me was this thing. Um, just kidding. That, they gave way more than that. But on it, the elders and our, 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 our core team, we prayed these prayers when we were leaving Rock Harbor, and we put them on here as declarations. And this has sat in my office ever since. And then we did it in uh, 2009. And I just want to read. This is what we wanted to be as a church. And I want to read these. And if you think that this is true of us, would you just say amen? But this is the prayer or the declarations of what we would be about. Families restored. Um, that we will be a light to those who are without hope. That uh, we would have zeal for the Lord. I'm sorry, what? Amen. Zeal for the Lord? Amen. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> May we provide a church that's a safe place for our community and for those to grow in love. Um, that we may love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. That God um, takes our church beyond its potential. 
Yes, let's claim it. Come on. Keep the feel um, and keep the feel of come as you are. I mean, I'm confessing I was on a hip-hop team. I hope you know at all are welcome. Um, I thought that was way funnier than that. Con- continue to look outward towards impacting Long Beach. Just a couple more. That we would have courage. We'd have a place of refuge. That it would be in Long Beach, in India, and throughout the world as it is in heaven. Well, we, we need to go to India then, huh? Sarah's like, Amen. I know you did it. <laughs> a place of wholeness and grace. And then let's see what, let's go. Um, that we would feel the pulse of the city and sacrificially give generously. Is that our story? And that will continue to be our story. So um, we want to remember. We want to remember. Um, so we moved. Uh, okay, let me just share this. So. I got a call on Wednesday. This was the phone call. Club owner. Hey, Darren, this is going to be your last Sunday at Cohiba Nightclub. Click. Wednesday. Oh, crud. Filled with laughter. Just hysterical laughter. I was laughing out loud in the car. I come home with kind of this dazed look of joy, concern, and laughter. I tell Alex. I said, Alex, we can't be at Cohiba after this Sunday. She kind of panics. And... um. She then goes to email all of our elders. We email our elders. I text Todd. I text um, the owner of the bank because he knows everyone in the city. Um, I, I text all the, the churches in the city to let them know what's going on. I, I throw it on Facebook. Hey, church, we need to rally this, sun, this Wednesday, third Wednesday, to pray for this stuff. Um, within a few short minutes, I get literally Rock Harbor, Park Crest, Grace Brethren, Long Beach Christian Fellowship, Antioch Church, all offering us their church to use anytime. I have a truck from Rock Harbor given to us saying we can help you move. Um, in, in less than a few minutes, we end up, uh, I end up getting home and we send out the emails and I'm just like, we need to pray. I go on a prayer walk and I'm, I'm just like, what, what are we going to do? We have nowhere to go to move 400-ish people to a new place overnight. seems impossible. I feel God say, go to this church. And it was in my head. It's next to Lord Windsor, if you know where Lord Windsor is. So all coffee lovers say, all right. And (laughs) I show up to this place. I've been three times to this church. This was the fourth time. And every time they're closed because I've gone on Monday. They're not open on Monday. And you need to learn. So it's it's Wednesday. And the door is open. Walk right in. And I meet uh, the associate pastor, Patrick, who's actually here with us. Will you stand up, Patrick? He's in the corner with his daughter, Miranda. Let's give him a round. You... Um, thank you for being here. And you guys will applaud louder after I tell you the story. Um, so I see Patrick. I see the pastor of the church. It's the Seventh-day Adventist church, pa- uh, Pastor Mike, and their secretary, Doug. And they are on their way out, but they see us. I tell them our story. Patrick generously shows us the entire building. He's like, let's try to make this work. I send him an email that night. The pastor, Mike, calls me the next day on Thursday in the morning um, at, at 10 o'clock. And he says, I'm calling an emergency board meeting to see if we can get you in. Um, they call an emergency board meeting. We get there. We show up. Their board's there. I bring some of our board. And it was the most graceful meeting I've ever been a part of. They're like, um, they, we talk. We hash things out. They're hearing our story. And they have us go out of the room so they can vote. And I come back in and they say, jokingly, you're going to have to find somewhere else. <laughs> unanimous, unanimous decision. They want us to use their space. Now, they have a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> 
They have a, a $2 million renovation going on, so a brand new sanctuary with movie-style seating. Uh, amen. <laughs> 200000 sound system. Uh, the first, we wouldn't have to, I mean, literally, it's just like they're going off. You can do kids here, leave the kids' stuff set up. Like everything, it's just unreal. And, and so it, it's handled. Handled. Thursday, within 36 hours, God answered our prayer. Um, but then on Friday, I get a phone call, another phone call from the owner of Cohiba. Hey, you have to be out this Sunday. In fact, I'm keeping all of your stuff here before we can hash. It's, you can't get to it till Monday. So I'm like, look, I, I'm planning on being there. Can you just let us meet one more time? No, absolutely not. And so we ended up calling some friends. We, had, we moved out on Saturday morning. In two hours, we moved everything out of Cohiba and set everything up here. And what happened here was the owner of Z Gallery said, just do a service on Sunday here for free. Just take care of it. We'll figure it out. Now, could you agree with me that there is a God who is good? Yeah. That there is a God fighting for us? That there is a God who is on our side? Um, and, and here's what I want to say. I saw this week, I mean, I've been working nonstop around the clock, and a bunch of us have, and we had an amazing crew come yesterday and just set this place up. But what I want to say is we have a church that people dream of. We have a church that pastors dream of. And I'm serious. I know a lot of pastors. And Todd is shaking his head yes. We have a church that shows up. And I just want to throw this out there. What will we take with us from Cohiba? There are going to be a lot of people that join our church because we have a building eventually. There will be a lot of people that will join us because the kids' space is a little more or a little less hostile. Because parking isn't $2 or whatever it is. Because you don't have to walk down this alley. Whatever it is, there will be a lot of people. And I'm wondering what type of story will we tell them? What type of story will we, we want to write on rocks and say, this is, this is who we are. This is what will be true of us. Because, you know, moving to this other's place, which is a temporary place for the next month, and then we're going to work out to see if it works. So I need to say this as the lead pastor, be on your best behavior. Okay, next Sunday, all right? Um, I need everyone on their best behavior, okay? <laughs> no, you're good. You'll be fine. Um, yeah, what an adventure. Let's say this. We're not going to need to set up chairs. We're going to set up kids' space once. We're, we're not going to need to move everything in and out. And my fear is we become complacent. So my challenge is this. Let's get more volunteers. Let's get more people that are on our prayer team. Let's get more kids volunteers because we're going to have one service at 10 a.m. Because it, it's a sanctuary that can fit 450 people comfortably in your own designed chairs that don't move around. That have padding so when the Holy Spirit comes, you can just relax a little bit. Because <laughs> I'm getting long-winded. <laughs> All the pregnant moms say, Amen! <laughs> um, we're gonna, I want to have more greeters. I want to have more hospitality team. I want to have more community group uh, leaders. I want to have, guys, this is right next to the community garden. The McDonald's on 4th Street backs into this church. It has this park. We can literally invite all, they can walk. We can walk to the community garden. It's so close. It's amazing, this new space we're going to go to for a while. But I want to get more saints to be serving as the garden. So that's my challenge. If you've been waiting to get involved, jump in. Join a community group. Lead a community group. Be, come early. Pray with our prayer team. If you've got some talents, get on the worship team. I don't know what it is. I'm not, I just think let's go for it, right? Yeah. Okay, let me say this. Um, 
So what I want to do, this is our way of kind of closing. Because when we started as a church, I used to be so terrified of teaching that I would talk for 10 minutes and then be done. Something's happened. And <laughs> now they're like telling me, time's up, time's up. What we're going to do today is this. Grab a Bible. Deuteronomy. I just want to share with you. This story that we're on is, is not, not unusual. Go to Deuteronomy 6. You see, the Israelites were chosen by God to represent God on earth. Does that sound familiar? Let me say that again. The Israelites were chosen by God to represent Him on earth. Okay? And God had to, to form this group of slaves, these people, to learn how to live in a way that would reveal God to the rest of the world. Because when, you, when your life is based on how many bricks you can make, you need to, and you're owned by someone else, you're kind of dehumanized, would you agree? Slavery is dehumanizing. So you need to ha- learn how to be human again. So you have this story of Israel, and, I, and I've talked about it enough, but um, the story of Israel, of, of God forming this nation. He gives them the law. They're, they're walking in the wilderness for 40 years. And literally God is providing every, everything. He's, first he provides man, he gives them food to eat on. Then he provides uh, water from rock. I mean, he's just wiping people out left and right, empowering them. It's just literally they're walking around and God is creating a sense of dependence that these people need to learn to dependence. These people need to learn how to trust me. This is how the world will know. And Deuteronomy is written by Moses and Deuteronomy is a reflection by Moses. Listen to this, to encourage the people of God to remember where they were and who they are. It's to remind them that when they walk into the promised land, which is going to be full of, they're going to be able to have their own homes. They're going to be able to plant vineyards and watch it grow over seasons. They're not just wandering through the the empty desert. They're going to have their own space. They're going to have areas that can define them. They're going to be able to be prosperous and wealthy and grow families and, and, and leave their tents up and not have to move it every few days. But as they're walking into this, this place of prosperity and wealth, Moses wants to make sure that they remember who they are, who they belong to, and remember what they, where they were. So time and time again, God will say, remember that you were once slaves, that you were, once, uh, you were freed from Egypt. Remember that you had no land of your own, but now you do. And so Deuteronomy is a, a, a way of remembering um, what, what they should be as they walk into this prom, promised land. And this, I just want to share this verse. So Deuteronomy 6.4, this, this is called the Shema prayer. Okay, and, and so Israel, if you read the Old Testament, there's less commandments and there's more statements of remembering because it's easy to forget who you are. It's easy to forget what's happened in your past. I think that's the, just on a side note, it's so funny because I see God answer prayer all the time and every time I'm like, whoa, you answered prayer. Praying for people that can't get pregnant and time and time again, watching a miracle happen and me going, oh my gosh, it happened again. We forget. <laughs> Would you agree? Are you a person who forgets? I'm a person who forgets. Deuteronomy 6.4. This is the, a commandment that w- would be read all over the place if you're a Jew. Um, you're Jewish, excuse me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands, commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on, on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your strength. Um, for the Israelites to remember, they had to obey the commands. This command summarized all of the law in one statement. When you said the Shema prayer, it was them summarizing all of the law in one statement. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And the way they were to remember was simply by living their lives with their kids. They were t- teaching their kids by eating, sharing meals together, by walking around. That obedience to God doesn't happen because you just show up on Sunday, but obedience happens in the everyday ordinariness of life. So for us, I want to figure out what our Shema is. What is our prayer? What is our prayer as we move forward? What is your prayer that we would remember? For those of you that have been here a while, and Cohiba was a great place for us, what do you want to declare today for our church? So if you're new, welcome. What would you hope a church would be about? And if you've been here a while, what, do we, what, would, what would your Shema prayer be for us? You have a piece of blue paper on um, your chair. What I want to ask you today is to do what so many of us, uh, 45 of us got to do three years ago. We have rocks. And we're moving. And we don't know where we'll be in a month from now. But for the next month, we're going to be at this church that has generously opened their, homes to, their home to us. To make our home. And so I'm going to invite the worship team up here, but our response time today is to to write out a prayer, and I want you to take up the whole piece of paper, and I want everyone as an act of worship to stand, and at some point, put your prayer, roll it up, and put it in one of these holes. This is a prayer wall, okay? That sound good? That's that's going to be our response today as we move forward, um, and uh, we'll pick up in Ephesians in a couple weeks. But so our response today is to pray on behalf of our church. Who are we and what do we want to remember? Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for faith being a journey. And Lord, I ask, I ask Lord Jesus that you would enable us um, to move forward as one body. That this transition would only bring more people. That more people will come to a, a saving faith in you, Jesus. But Lord, more than anything, I pray our DNA remains the same. That the essence of who we are, the obedient, wandering church that met met in a bar would always be the same wherever we go. So Holy Spirit, would you give us the prayers that you would pray. Help us to pray on your behalf as one body in your name. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.